Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Hockey, yeah, yeah. My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. Time for Judd's Hockey Show. Zolgad and Declan Goff here as we uh, join you every Tuesday with the full-length version of Judd's Hockey Show. You can, of course, hear our uh, quicker, quick-hitting podcasts. One-timers. One-timers, ordinarily on Thursday or Friday. But uh, this will be a full-length show, and because of that, Declan, we have plenty of time to explore the world of the National Hockey League and the now, I guess you could call them, for the time being, surging Minnesota Wild points in nine straight games. I told you so. I told you so. No, I didn't tell you. No, actually, you did say three weeks ago or two weeks ago, you did say they're going to go on a stretch at some point here. Yeah. I, so to give you credit for that, you did say that. But I usually, usually, history, this happens in about February, March is when this typically happens. Sure. So I'm hoping that this surge is just now and then the January swoon, which will also obviously inevitably happen, just carries over to the end of the year. Okay. So... Right now, as I just said, the Wild has points at nine consecutive uh, games. They have played 27 games on the season. They are uh, at 28 points. As you are listening to this on Score North at 1500 tonight, the Wild is going to be playing the Florida Panthers. So hopefully you have the sound down on Fox Sports North and you are listening to us. I will I, I will say our buddy Louie Nanny is calling the game. Oh, then, then you know so, what? You know then what? put us on pause. Put us on pause. I didn't bit. realize Louie. Louis, Louis on this trip. How smart is Louie? Our buddy Louie. How smart is Louie? Oh, he's one of the his, best, man. His limited, his limited package of games serving as an, as an analyst, of course, is the Florida Swing. Yeah. I love genius. Louis. Genius marketing. So the Wild has 28 points, and um, that puts them in a position three points behind the second and final wild card seed in the Western Conference. Three Ooh. points. Uh, the San Jose Sharks have 31 points. Um all right, so there's some good to explore here. We'll yeah, explore the good. space. Good to explore. Exploring the space, and the good I want to start with is this. And I, I, I'm going to ask you a question, but it's meant off something I enjoyed watching. Why do you think it took so long for the Wild to get the idea for a three-on-three format we saw on Sunday? Now, they won in the shootout. They did not win in the three-on-three five-minute overtime. But nonetheless, Declan, watching, as we sat in the press box at the X, Dallas and the Wild three-on-three, the Wild was playing exactly as we thought they should have been how long ago? Three-on-three. Three, four years ago now. How long has it been in there? Yeah, it, it's, it, it was remarkable because you didn't put your slow players out there. Koibu rode the bench for five minutes, by the way, in his 1,000th game. Yeah. Like, had every right to go out there and have a little bit more incentive no. to be out there. No, he didn't. And he sat. No, he didn't Bruce. have every right. Bruce sat him. It was remarkable. Yeah, it was smart. It was very smart. And look, there was it, it was all about the transition. It's high risk, high reward. 
Yes. You know, there, there was no... There, there was no passive. There, there, yes, they were using their defensive zone to their advantage because they have a fourth skater advantage out there in Alex Stalock, who is so much fun to watch in the three-on-three. Yep. It is worth any gaffe he makes in regulation, any soft goal he gives up because of the way he can move out of the puck. When he gloved the puck, which was a great save, I forget, on the Stars player who was coming in, he trotted out and wanted to drop that puck, but he'd already frozen it. I mean, it was so much fun to watch and and. I, I, I love that the kids were out there. The speed was out there. I, Jason Zucker should be out there more. Remarkable. Good job. Good job, Bruce. Good and and job, so, so this came off of the frustration of the fact the Wild lost back-to-back overtime games uh, in Boston, where I believe they led that game 3-1 to one or by two goals late. They blew it and then, and then lost an OT. And the memorable part about that was Zach Parisi basically standing still in three on three out there as the Bruin player, uh, Bruins player, excuse me, blew by him to score a goal. That was followed up a couple nights later in a Monday night loss at Madison Square Garden. Another Declan late lead blown by the Wild, and if, if I'm not mistaken, Tony D'Angelo of the Rangers um, got the puck and scored 32 seconds in on a shot on Stalock. Okay, in the case of the Rangers game, if I'm not mistaken, they started. Joel Erickson Eck at center. He got kicked out of the circle, but your other two options were Spurgeon and Suter. They were the other two guys. And Bruce's reasoning in that game was, well, it's Panarin and some highly skilled Ranger players starting, so I want some good defensive players out, out there. But you just brought up the key here. High risk, high reward. You can't Boom. worry about being responsible. What you have to say is, give me the damn puck. I'm going. Yeah. So stop me. So, on Sunday... At the X against Dallas, which is, by the way, it's a weird team, but a very skilled team. But a team. highly skilled team that should excel in overtime. Bingo. Okay. You started Stahl. Okay, I don't love that, but he's a, I, I'm not totally against it. Fiala, love, love it. it. Because Fiala could screw up royally, and I don't care. Like, if Fiala screws up and they score, they score. Mm-hmm. I can't help it. Mm-hmm. And Brodine. And then, from there, the first change was Zuccarello. Zucker, love that. Spurgeon, love that. Love it that's too. Probably their, that's probably their best line. Next change, Cunnin, Greenway, Suter. Don't mind it. Don't mind it. Don't mind it is Don't right. Don't mind it. I agree. Next change, Erickson Eck, Parisi, Dumba. Actually, like, don't mind that. Don't mind it. Don't mind that. Don't mind be, it. Because Zach is slow, but I love Dumba there because he can take it and go. Next change then is back to Stahl, Fiala, Brodeen, and and it went back to the uh, combinations I just gave you. But this is the idea, including, in, and here's something else that we saw. And this is why a year ago I suggested that in overtime you put Staylock in goal. There were at least two I saw, if not more, but I saw two drop passes to reset to Staylock. Yeah. Zucker at one point, I want to say, was at the Dallas blue line. He was a long way from his own goal. And he took it and threw it back to Staylock. It was an offsides, I believe. I think is what it was. But okay, I think that happened in the OT. But but the point. But the point yes. being is, I loved the strategy, mm-hmm. and this is the strategy: right. not being responsible, and you got to take some chances. And again, if you lose, if if you lose by some fluke, I don't care yeah. because what's worse than thirty-two seconds in, the Rangers have puck control the entire time. By the way, D'Angelo rips a shot. And you're done. And the last thing that I will say that I think the Wild did on Sunday that we didn't see previously was they took the high shot away from Dallas. How many times have we seen the Wild, Stalock or Dubnik, get beat on a goal 
where where the player crosses the blue line and shortly thereafter gets off a clean shot and scores. Yeah, it felt like this time they clogged the blue line much more, so that if if I was Jamie Ben and got the puck near the blue line and I was going to try to shoot, there was at least a defender there to confront me immediately. And I've been wondering too. Is it better goaltending that the Wild are getting from Stalock and, and briefly from Kapokokkinen? and we haven't seen too much. He'll start tonight as we record uh, this podcast. He's in net right now, hopefully not uh, getting pulled already. But is it getting better goaltending, yep. or is it finally these defensemen kind of packing it in, making it easier on their goaltender, which is how this team should be playing yep. night in and night out? And it took you know 20-some games to really figure that out, which was a little alarming. But but again, to, to play devil's advocate against myself, when Devin Dubnik was playing so poorly this year, was it the Wild weren't very good defensively and Devin Dubnik was such a mess? You know, it's so hard, in my opinion, to quantify defensive success in hockey, especially when go- especially if we're talking just goaltending. It's a crapshoot. It's 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 so hard to quantify that. There's three or f- probably three or four goalies right now in the NHL that you can say, yeah. He is a definitively number one. He's going to be out there 50 to 60 times a year. I trust him in every situation. Mm-hmm. The rest, it's a huge drop-off. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to quantify, is it great goaltending? Is it great defense? And they were marrying the two, which, yes, in theory, that works great. But how much is it divvied up? It's a really good question. I think it is definitely because you're right. Great goaltending is probably akin to great uh, QBs in football. There just aren't a lot of them. Like, you can't be like, ah, it's 12, 15 deep. There's a handful of great ones. And then that does not mean that um, 6 through 10 are bad. They're very good. But they're probably not not great. Uh, I I would say, though, that what we saw, at least in the OT on Sunday, against the Stars from the Wild was we did see a concerted philosophy that made sense. Boudreaux's overtime until now has never made sense. He always seems to be... Again, you can't put guys out there and say, shut them down. Three-on-three, which, I, by the way, I love. I think it's fantastic. Three-on-three is there to be exciting. It's there to score goals. It's not there to defend and say, you know what we need to do? Get to the shootout. It was put in to get the shootout out, which I don't like. So I think, but with Stalock, too... And this is a question about Alex Daylock. This is a question about Kevin Fiala. This is a question about Ryan Donato and down that line, too. For all we can complain about their play at times, and they're not getting it, or they're not doing this, or not do- doing that, isn't it remarkable when you give these guys consistency, though? Staylock. A- and he knows right now he's going to play. And guess what? I think he's playing pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Now, D- Dubnik, un- unfortunately, has... The family thing with his wife, we certainly wish him all the best with that. It's a sad story. Hate to see things like that for sure. But because of that, Stalock's going to play, and he knows he's going to play. And Alex Stalock, to me now, for all we talked about or some said, well, he's just a backup goalie. He's not that good, blah, blah, blah. And I don't think he's great, but I think he's got intangibles, and I think he's got something. And in today's game, and especially the three-on-three format, Declan, I love the fact that Alex Stalock can move the puck, and he's great. And, you know, Dubna can't do it. He just can't. No, he can't. He can't move the puck. Alex Daylock is not afraid to. He can move it. 
you could pass it back to him. Yeah. And in that three on three, when you can reset your entire thing, so that that bit, basically, how many times have we said, what is the Wild doing three on three? They're not going to the bench, and you've got guys on that team that we all know milk shifts, right? But three on three, if you do that, you're going to get burned. Yes. And so, how many times have we said so and so was late changing, or he thought he could get off and he couldn't, or he should have got off and he didn't, and he was tired? Well, the ability to say, oh, you know what, I'm going to do right now, pass it back to my goaltender which allows me to change lines or change guys. So, but it is just funny when the conversation comes to a Staloc or a Fiala or a Donato, what the consistency of here's your role. And you know what? You're going to play this role um, on a consistent basis, as opposed to the first time things go wrong, Devin's going to play again for the next five games or Fiala's going to be in the press box. That makes life tough. And, it's why I keep coming back to, for the sake of this team, this is really a year. I don't care about the playoffs one bit. This is really a year about getting people comfortable and finding out in that comfort what they can do to make decisions on them for 2020-21. And it's a year of acceptance. We're trying to figure out year of acceptance and learning. That's what we're trying to figure out with this year's Wild. And, and you're starting to see that very briefly with especially a guy like Kevin Fiala, which I'm sure we'll get into here in a bit, who is now finally starting to play a lot better. And he was scratched a few times in October. Uh, he was He's even been active and benched for long periods of time and during games and something has now clicked in his game where either you know what I, I wouldn't say it's something has clicked it's Bruce I think has probably shortened the leash and just accepted this is who he is he's gonna be brilliant there's moments where you see a lot of talent I mean Paul Fenton called him a game breaker maybe we shouldn't call him that yet because it's just unfair and I think that maybe even gotten Michael Russo hinted to that too in a little bit that I think that maybe even gotten to him a little bit but this kid is a highly talented kid, and you see those moments in the offensive zone where you say, wow, this is a dynamic four that the Wild could be built around for a long time. But he's also going to have the miscues and the offensive zone turnovers, which you can see sometimes are more glaring and are more detrimental than the positives that he's able to create. So it's, it's a very interesting line that the Wild have been walking. But with the three-on-three, three, I mean, they should be starting every, every time. They should be starting that Zucker, Zuccarello, I believe it was Spurgeon was the defenseman. That should be your starting three on three every single time with this wild team. I right like Fiala too because the yeah, I mean too, but but because Dallas they're going to roll out Ben, they're going to roll out. Right. Well, you can't Sagan. be worried about them. Rangers are going to roll out Panarin. You know, right? They don't. The Wild don't have anyone close to them. Right. So you got to put your players who are the most talented with the puck and the fastest, and that would be Zuccarello and Zucker. And yeah, and, and but I, I think you know previously when when especially. Uh, when the Wild lost in overtime early, you didn't even get a guy like Fiala out there, and you've got to get a guy like that out there. He's got to play. He's got to gain that experience in every situation. It's going to be very important because he's go. I think he's going to be here. And if he's going to be here, and I don't know if it's going to be Bruce coaching him or Bill Guerin's going to make a change for next season, I have no idea. But all of that being said, you're going to have to get to a position where Kevin Fiala can play first or second line, top six, consistently. Mm-hmm. And I think I think at times we're getting there, okay. But then, but then the w- word is uh, for tonight's game against the Panthers, which, as you said, people are probably watching right now. Um, Ryan Donato. All right, and so this is a frustration for me. Ryan Donato, of late, starts to play well. He's playing the wing. He has slumped at times. He's been fourth line. He's certainly, in my opinion, not played enough. But then he starts to play well, and they reward him. And then Sunday, they reward him and say, well, Felino's back. 
So, Ryan, you're going to play center on the fourth line. And Ryan has a bad game because the center position is really, really difficult. And, in fact, they tried Donato, as we talked about on John's Hockey Podcast at the time, in training camp at that very spot. The responsibilities of a center are way too much to put on this kid's plate. So guess what happens? He fails. And tonight, reportedly, he was going to be scratched. And this drives me crazy. This makes me absolutely crazed because Ryan Donato is the exact type of player that you need to build his confidence. And now and now you've taken another significant step backwards for what? To get a win over the Florida Panthers during a season in which you really shouldn't be a playoff team? Bruce, I really appreciate him. And so it's not like I want him fired. But Declan, my God, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah, I don't like this at all. I mean, Victor Rask in that line yeah, with, right. with Donato, Rask, no you're point. fine. With Donato, Rask, and Hartman, that line has been playing very, very well. And, and look, Marcus Foligno was going to come back in the lineup. I don't think with even how well the Wild have been playing, Bruce was not going to be a position where you're like, yeah, you're healthy, but we're still going to healthy scratch you. I mean, that wasn't going to happen. So... You just look up and down right now in the fourth line, their last six or seven games. They haven't allowed a goal since November 16th in Carolina. And if and I know we want Donato elevated, but let's just let's look at where he is right now on a fourth line. Okay? Just playing, okay. Just playing. Very fair. That a fourth line's role is to not screw up. Yep. You don't even have to score a lot of goals. When I'm expecting you to score goals, don't screw up. Mm-hmm. And for the last six or seven games, They've been on the ice for goals. They haven't allowed a single goal in their last eight or nine games. And you put Donato then, and and by the way, during that stretch, Donato was excelling on that line. Rask is just Victor Rask. It's who he is. He's not going to turn a corner. He's he's stuck here. But Donato, you need to see if this kid can actually do something. And I think Ryan Hartman also elevates whoever he plays with for whatever reason. Ryan Hartman is is better for it. So I just, it's hard to put Foligno back in, but I don't like putting Victor Rask back in, because I, I know what he is. I don't know what Ryan Donato is, and now his confidence, like you said, is, is shaken again. Yeah, and I hate to say this, and you're going to debate this with, with me, okay. but i got to be honest, if you come to me right now and say, okay, because I do not want Donato playing center. He's, I don't either. You didn't use him, you know, you, you took a look there in training camp, it didn't work out, which, okay, I'm cool with. But I do not put Ryan Donato on the Charlie Coyle Express. It's a it's a ridiculous thing to do. So if you come to me with the lines right now and line charts and say who, who gets scratched, I got bad news, and this player helps them, but he's going to have to be scratched. Ryan Hartman, fourth line winger. He's a fourth line winger. That's his life. That's his lot in life. Ryan Donato, to your point again, I don't know. Felino deserves to play definitely. So if it's up to me, and I'm saying okay, I've got to. I've got to play Rask because I've got to play a center because I don't want Donato there. Who do I scratch? I scratch Hartman because, again, I don't, I don't care about tonight's game against Florida. It's not my concern. And Ryan Hartman can help you win that game, and my honest response is, who cares? Ryan Donato, though, I've been politicking on this show for him to play more, and he finally got more of a chance. And guess what? He can be pretty damn good. He can. I have no idea if he's going to be really good, but he can be pretty damn good. And against the Rangers, he sniped. He scored that toe drag, a great goal. There's even the moment in Dallas where he, where he uh, right off the dot, bing, bang. I mean, it was a great, great Absol- save. Absolutely. That shot's there. Absolutely. And this this is an intangible that a lot of guys on this team don't have yeah. that he's got. And Ryan Hartman, nice player. I like what he does. But I, I don't got to see him. I've got to see number six play. So I'm really frustrated by this because 
it, this goes back to, to what we've been talking about quite a while on Judd's Hockey Podcast is Bruce's willingness or want to milk wins, milk points. You don't need the points. Don't matter. They don't matter. You're a fringe. At the very best, you're a fringe playoff team. And I tend to agree with you. This hot streak's going to end, and they're just going to re- regress. And, you know, for a while there, Zach couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with a puck, and now he's swinging like it's a baseball bat, and he's scoring goals. <laughs> That's going to go back the other way on Zach. It always ordinarily does. So, and I know that, that you're a Hartman fan, and I don't blame you. I, I really like how he plays, too. But if you come to me and say, here are your choices, Ryan Denial is going to play for me. And Bruce said in the post game too. I mean, it was a tough decision, and I I am someone as a, if I was in Bruce's shoes, I don't know who I would scratch. It is it's tough. It's well, really really. But tough. if I'm Billy Garen, I'm calling you from Russia, where I'm I'm breaking bread with the Kaprasov family yes, right now, and I'm telling God. you, I, you're playing Ryan Donato. Yeah, and you're that, gonna you're gonna have to. Sorry, I I, I want to see him. I want to be comfortable, and that's that's what's most frustrating to me is yes. he's finally over these last couple weeks looked comfortable and now just because Marcus Foligno's back just because you need a center in and Ryan Donato who doesn't play center you have to scratch him don't like it yeah and and we're playing at center which also I think is unfair the responsibilities of that position my god the kid's just getting comfortable again and now you're going to put him at one of the at at probably the most difficult position as far as Mm -hmm. your responsibilities offensively and defensively right 100 percent and where this he gets even more tricky, and we can get into this here maybe too, we'll transition right into this, is if the Wild are going to get Kaprizov over here, well, they they physically have to create a roster spot. Because right now we're, we're talking about log jamming forwards on a pretty miserable team. And I know it's easy to say, well, yeah, we'll just get rid of a Donato or get rid of a Hartman or mm-hmm. whatever. But if they're going to get Kaprizov, and let's say then they want to add, I don't know, maybe his buddy in Russia or maybe whoever it is, mm-hmm. well, now you have to create two roster spots. Mm-hmm. So... I can help. This you. is becoming. This is going to be a challenge, I think, going forward. Go. It, it's Kaprizov's coming over next year, though. For sure. But so who who comes out of this lineup? Oh, this is. And if he's a top six player, which are Kaprizov you saying? When, is, when? What's your timetable? Are you talking about for them? So I, I'm I'm starting a next regular season. So oh, opening night of 2020. Oh, that's you have to create a you have to create oh, I, probably two I, roster spots in I, the top six. I can create three for you instantly. Okay. Koivu's gone. Because he his contract's up, I'm not re-signing him. I'm going to offer him a, a job as an ambassador, or he can go play somewhere else. Koivu gone. Eric Stahl, I trade at the deadline. I take a team on his that that didn't make his no trade list, and the best team possible, and I trade him there. And I take what I can get for Eric Stahl. Like I, oh, I just yeah. want draft picks. Peanuts, yeah, and, and he's playing pretty well. Yes. So, but I definitely trade him, and. Number 16, Jason Zucker. I trade him. I think he's got a five-team no-trade list. Is that right? It's something. It's a limited, yeah. It's limited. Okay. I don't know so then five. I've got three guys gone instantly. And I, I actually would trade Stahl and Zucker if I could in February before the deadline. Well, you know what? No, actually, if I could trade Stahl right now, I probably would. I think would. you'd if, – if But that's why I'm telling well. Bruce. But I, this is the whole Garen-Bruce thing that we don't know about that I think has to be communicated between from Bill to Bruce is, Bruce, this is – your again – I've been saying this for months. Your job does not depend on points this year. It depends on what I see you do. And you're doing a really nice job. But um, we need Ryan Donato to play because I'm going to trade Eric Stahl. Like, the communication needs to be, you're going to lose these players. I don't care how, I don't care what you think we're doing. 
It doesn't matter to me. I'm Bill Guerin. I just got this job. My eyes are wide open to the deficiencies of said club. So, um, and the other thing too is, and and where I would go to Craig instantly and be like, Craig, sit down. We got to talk. Would be Sunday at the X. We were both there. There's nobody there. Like it's it's as empty as I've ever seen that place. And the fan apathy's not not going away unless you make a Stanley Cup run, which you're not going to do. So I tell Craig, Craig, this is not about this is not about people saying, oh, the we were wrong about the wild. They're they're an exciting team. They're gone. So while they're gone, this is where I'm fixing things. I, I think this is one of the simplest fixes of all time. And the fact that the fans have bailed and Declan, there are now lower there are a lot of lower bowl oh, yeah. seats, like a lot of good ones. I thought at the beginning of the year that those were fans or season tickets who didn't show up. Those seats are consistently empty. I think those are they're just no, empty. no longer used season yeah. tickets. Yeah, they're just empty, ste- they're empty, empty seats. So this is all very simple for me to tell Craig, hey, I'm going to do this, I'm going to, to do that, and to tell Bruce, I'd like you on board here, but this is why Donato has to play, and this is why I'm trading Eric Stahl, and Jason's probably going to be traded, and this is why Koivu, there's no chance in hell he's coming back next year. I, I don't think that this is all that tough. And meanwhile, what I'm doing is I am getting guys, including Staylock, really valuable experience. Yeah. I, I think where where it's just so tough is if you were to trade – I know you and I look at Jason Zucker and, and you're somewhat to, – to you and I, we think he's a little bit expendable and you can probably get something for him. But I think to a common fan, that's also a hard sell. Uh, and, and it's going to be – even though Kaprizov – and I think it's almost the opposite. Diehard Wild fans know who Kaprizov is. I don't think the common Joe Schmo on the street who maybe will go to a wild game here and there and turns it on every once in a while, I don't know if he... Maybe he's starting to come around, oh yeah, what's his name? But I don't... You know, for three years now, diehard, diehard wild fans and, and people that follow the team are well aware who Kirill Kaprizov is. So what if he comes over here and, and it's just... It's hard for... It, I think it might take a while for him to be beloved by the fans like, like a Jason Zucker is. So it, it's... From from Leopold's perspective and from the business side's perspective, yes, you know it, it's it's easy to do it from GM and, and us playing GM chair and and moving the deck chairs. But I think it's also very difficult for Craig Leopold to be in a position where you're selling off. Not only are you losing season tickets, well now you're losing fan favorites. Yeah, but I think that I think if I still had those people in those seats, it would be tough. But I don't. So I think what I have left is largely a fan base that gets it and they get what I'm doing. Now, if the, if the place was still packed and the team was bad and people loved Jason Zucker, I think you're hundred percent right, but they bailed on me. And so I have to do what's best for them. What gets them back? What gets them back is if I can trade, turn Zucker and stall into, into future assets and Kaprasov, I think is going to be, I don't want to say he's going to be a superstar. I don't know that, but it certainly seems like he's going to be a dynamic player. Yeah. And if he's a dynamic sniper, guess what? If he scores goals, people are going to come back to yeah. me. So if we had gone on Sunday and that building had been absolutely packed and the team's not that great, but people were like, yeah, we just we love this team still or we're on board or we love Zucker, I'd be like, okay, you know what? This is a little bit more difficult from a business decision. But they're gone. They've flown the coop. Bye, bye, yeah. bye. So with with them gone, I think that this is a pretty simple thing. And the other and the other guy that I'd be tempted to at least approach right now to see what his thinking in in, in life is, Matt Zuccarello. 
Sign him to a long-term contract with a no trade, and man, could he help a contender. And, and I know I can't trade Parisi and Suter, so how would you like to be a, at the deadline or before be able to at least look at trading Zucker, Stahl, Zuccarello? Wouldn't that be a nice I would be place hesitant. to be? I, yeah, it would. The only the thing that bugs me about Zuccarello is is with the expansion draft coming back up. You're right. He's automatically protected again. This is Vegas all over. I know. Again. This is why I'm going to him and exploring. Ugh. I'd sure like to. I'd sure like to explore that potential of saying, if you'll waive it, I will look to make the best deal possible for you to get you on a contender. Yeah, and I have a so I have a tough time trading both Zucker and Zuccarello. Okay. Just because I I think it's going to be very very difficult then to to build things back up. I think it's going to be tough to not build things back up, but get fans back in the seats. I think it's going to, it, it's there just, you're shuffling people all over the place. We know what Greenway, Eck, and Cunning are starting to do, and that's fine. Maybe they can be elevated up and start playing more. Mm-hmm. They've, they've shown flashes of that, but it, there's so many moving of the deck chairs right now just to get cappers off over here. I think it's just going to be a much, it's going to be a huge challenge to move even more chairs. Okay. Well, I think that it's a very realistic goal and obtainable to move stall for sure. Yes. Koivu's gone. Yes. There's no way you're going to bring I, him back. I hope they don't. If you bring Koivu back, I hope they don't. You're Look, nuts. he's you, and, and this is no knock against him. You're just nuts. Yeah. Your your team don't does not trend back. towards a guy don't like uh, Koivu and Zucker if I could get if I could get something for him because I want Here's the thing is I want somebody to trade for him who still thinks he could be a sniper cuz that year of him being a sniper is getting farther and farther away. And if you watch his game consistently, I love the speed. Speeds. To be clear, I love his speed. Of course. And as you said, you know, overtime, it's great. But it feels like the days of him being a sniper, there are a lot of missed nets, a lot of missed opportunities. And at some point in time, you're going to have a lot of teams being like, well, he really doesn't score as much as he All right, should. but here, and a hockey scout with eyes and trained years and eyes can probably disprove this. But if you're just looking at a team right now and you're looking at his box score, you see nine goals, 27 games. Yep. Good stuff. The yep. shooting percentage, 18.4%. His career is 12%. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say he's getting lucky, but if someone sees that and go, oh, wow, right. here it is. That's what, yep. Here's the sniper. Great point. But regression is coming. And la- like last year, all right, let's just go two seasons ago when he scored 33 goals. Right. He had a relatively sustainable shooting percentage, 14.9, a little bit high. But then next year he comes back down to 9.8%. So this 18.4% is not going to last. And if you're the Wild, you should use this as your advantage. Just saying. Seems pretty smart to me. It seems very smart to me. And that's and this is not, I think sometimes we get, we're the Jason Zucker ripping podcast. No. And it's not. It's just. Oh, I'm trading Eric Stahl, too. And this is a guy that you can actually get something for. Yes. Yes. No, I, I want to move veterans because I think it's smart. It's not to rip them. Uh, outside Eric of Stahl his, can help somebody. Look, 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 outside of his speed, I'm serious. You can be the biggest Jason Zucker fan. That's all he's got. Yeah. That's what it is. It's his speed. But it, but that could help a contender. Yes. And in three-on-three, three, that can help a contender. And Eric Stahl could help a Since Eric Stahl, I don't know what, what was wrong with him to start the season. He clearly shouldn't have been playing yeah. and tried to play through it, which I think was dumb. But – since that time period, Eric Stahl, I think, has been really good. Yes. I would trade Eric Stahl quicker than I could say your name if I could do it right now. No. No, most people can't. And I have a missing tooth, and it's hard to say Declan as it's, it is It's right a now. very hockey. It's very, very on brand. I wish it was hockey-related. It, it wasn't. very on brand. Okay, question for you, sir. And I'm going to have you start off with this one. Sunday, Miko Koivu, the aforementioned uh, veteran center on the wild, played in his 1,000th game 
It was actually a very cool day. They did a tribute video deal. Um, you know, he got up and waved to the crowd. 1,000 games in this league is a huge deal. It's a big milestone marker. He, he then picked up his 700th career point on, hold on a second, let me put my glasses on here and look at the box score, on the Wilds' first goal. Fiala scored. Koivu fed him in front of the net. Koivu got the first assist. That gave him 700 career points. The coolest thing then was, as you said, Koivu did not play in the three-on-three overtime, but he did get in in the shootout and use the patented old-school Miko Koivu backhand shot to score. And uh, the wild PR department told me he had not scored in a shootout since I believe it was October 2018. Oof. Long time. Long time. Um, so here's my question for you. What do you think his legacy with, with his franchise, which I think he's been with like 15 years now, what do you think his legacy with his franchise is going to be? And do you think when it's all said and done, the number nine goes to the rafters at the X? I think when it's all said and done, yes. I, I do think his number gets retired. I don't think it's immediate. I could like I see a path where it could be, but I don't think it will. Um, he's the first full-time captain in history. He's a leader in every franchise category. There's every single reason to retire his number. And I know he hasn't had the postseason success. I get that. But what he has meant to the organization, yes, he'll get his number retired. I don't know when, though. And and I I would say I would I wouldn't be ticked off obviously if they did it right away like he retires this summer and they hold a jersey t- retirement ceremony for him on December first of twenty twenty, but just kind of take your time with it, let it marinate. You know, like you know Joe Maurer, a little different story. He was an MVP and a local kid, but like Justin Morneau, I love to compare these two. Justin Morneau and Miko Koivu, very similar guys. I know Morneau also has the MVP, but Morneau doesn't have his number retired. You know, Morno, I know, had the injuries, but he had a great period of success for six or seven years where he was the best first baseman in the league. And Miko Koivu, although always a very defensively sound and well-respected player, never was someone that you looked at, I think, as a common hockey fan, and you know, man, do I love me some Miko Koivu. I really don't think he has that sex appeal, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. So, yes, I think he gets his number retired just, just out of default because he's the leader in every category, but... What I don't want is just them to do it right away. Like let it, let it, let it bake for a little bit. Let it hang out, and that—that's where I'm at with Miko. I believe that one, he is the exact reason type of player why franchises create what they like to call the Ring of Honor. He wears, in hockey terms, a number of the gods. It's Gordie Howe. It's three in baseball, right? Babe Ruth in baseball. Gordie Howe, nine. Gretzky wore 99 because he he loved Howe but didn't want to wear nine or it was used, I don't know, when he came up with the Oilers. But the point being is I think Miko deserves to be in a ring of honor. There is no way. And and your Morneau comparison is a pretty good one. There is no way that I retire if I'm the Twins or the Wild, their numbers. That, to me, takes it to a, a next step. And you know what? If the Minnesota Vikings have not retired 84 for Randy Moss in this town, yeah. I ain't raising number nine to the rafters. That doesn't mean I'm not going to give Miko a night. It does not mean I'm not going to put him in a ring of honor, which I believe there's a few guys from this franchise's first, what, 20 years or so that could get there. That doesn't mean that they deserve to have their number in the rafters at the X. 
Um, the legacy question to me about him is really intriguing too, because you know he's been a captain, the captain here for a, a long time. I believe he was drafted. If you check it out, in like two thousand one, second year. Of, okay, I believe it was the early on. Third year, yeah, and then stayed in Finland, right? And then came and played in the minors. I I want to say he spent some years in Houston, in the American League, and then came up. But you know, it's been a long time with the franchise. But how are fans going to, to recall him? Because the bottom line is, guys like Koivu, I think, are tremendously popular if you have playoff runs, right? Postseason runs, Stanley Cup final appearances at least. And, and by the way, my stance on his number being retired would change if they had a Stanley Cup finals run, for instance. If he had, let's say he had had a great run, but he really doesn't. I believe his entire career playing for this franchise here They've won two playoff series. So there hasn't been great success. But, you know, Miko has always come off Declan as sort of the, and I don't know, he's probably a fine guy, but, you know, he comes off as the surly Finn, right? Mm -hmm. And he's not very, he doesn't strike as being personable. I think his teammates appreciate him and respect him. But I don't know, I don't sense, other than a few diehard Wild fans, that he's beloved, that he is somehow Morneau in Morneau's prime. I thought was loved by some. Yeah. I think he was. And Koivu to me is a tricky story because of his personality, his demeanor, the fact that he's been a very solid player, but certainly never a star player. He's ne- I don't think he's ever been a guy that you would say, there is a number one center in the National Hockey League, and my God, is he great. That I think there is sort of a, well, we like him. But there's not this Minnesota love for him. Well, I think what's going to happen is as long as Craig Leopold owns this team, he's going to make it a mission to get his number retired. You might be right. Uh, I mean, I'm just saying what I wouldn't do. Right. I'd put him in a ring of honor that I'd create for a guy like that. And maybe that's the first step. Maybe he is the, he's obviously going to, if there is just a ring of honor, he would be the first one you put in mm-hmm. by default. I'd have no problem with that. And, you know, Gabrick, I'm sure, wouldn't be too far behind either. I mean, just just, just look at... Look at that. Look at what it, that's a small list too. Yeah. By the way, that's a very it's Ralston, still a, not even Ralston. Ralston no, for three not, seasons. You no, know, not Ralston. So it's it's tricky. And Do you know a name that comes to mind, and it's because of one, we loved him, and two, he scored a huge goal. Bruno. Bruno. Yeah. But I mean, that's where this franchise yeah. is at. That there is nobody in the twenty years, and, and I think um, season twenty will be next year. There is nobody in my mind in the twenty years of this franchise. Who I say to myself, oh yeah, number retired. Gabrick was as close as you could get, yeah. But it wasn't. He was hurt. It wasn't sustainable wasn't for here a, long enough. Exactly. Yeah. Well, if we're just looking at Minnesota sports, and I know with with KG and the Wolves, there's an obvious barrier between yeah. the owner and the player. Correct. That's very obvious. And that's why it's well not, documented. That's why it's not done. Yet. But with the Vikings, yep. I I really can't think of a reason why Randy Moss number eighty four is retired. I, I, for the life of me, Ring I can't. Ring of honor, but I'm and, and I know you, you cover the team. You know the Vikings even better than I do. But I, I for the life of me, don't understand why 84, who is in the Hall of Fame, I by can't. the way, the NFL Hall of Fame. Oh, it's not. It, and changed the game yep. completely, is not in the Hall of Fame. And so, if I know that's unfair. I'm not putting Miko Koivu at Randy Moss status, but just look look at that. Look at that as context of beloved Minnesota athletes. If you're 27 like me and you're born in the 90s, think of those players, and then would you say Miko Koivu would get his number retired first? Absolutely not. You wouldn't. Right. That's, that's where I'm at with it.
Yeah. Now, how will you, and let's say that this is his last year here, how will you look back on him? Because I do, I struggle with this one. Because if you ask me in five years, wild greats. I'd remember Koivu, but I don't know that it would be tip of the tongue close to first answer. Here's where I would actually, I'll, I'll flip it on another question. What does Montreal think of Saku? And I, I think, because I wonder if it's very similar. I think he might not be hmm. as, vitur- like, you know, there's people I think, and hockey fans are like, oh, Miko, he's not a cat. He doesn't know how to lead this and that. I'm going to guess that that's not the same in Montreal just because it's a storied franchise, and I'm not going to compare the Canadians' loyal fan base with the Wilds' loyal fan base. But I do wonder, what is Saku? How, how is he viewed in Montreal? He was a hell of a and, player. And I believe, I reading, thought he was very solid. reading the piece Mike Russo did, that Saku is being honored by all the Montreal captains, I believe, this weekend, or it just happened. So, I mean, he, he's being honored on the ice with every Montreal Canadiens captain, which, by the way, there aren't many that have ever played. But, and I, was, I don't know if Saku was number nine either, but, like, Saku Koivu is not going to get his number retired by Montreal. Right. Right? Right. So... <sighs> So Miko gets his number retired by default because we're not a storied franchise? Well, like, he gets his number retired by default because this franchise in almost 20 years now has almost has really no, no superstars. Right. This franchise has no superstars, which, by the way, goes back to what? Goes back to largely one thing. It's always been middling, and so your draft picks have never been, for the most part, other than year one with Gabrick, Top five draft picks. Yeah, I know. This is why this team being bad this year would be the best thing that could possibly happen. How do you get? How do you get to a heritage player who you think this guy is a superstar whose number will be retired one day? It's usually a top draft pick, right? right? Yeah. It's usually a guy that you that you got because you were bad. Mikey Madano, perfect example. Bobby Smith with the North Stars, who who got traded or forced his way out in eighty four or eighty five, but nonetheless was a superstar type of player. M- yeah. Mike Madano is that's the exact type of player. When Louis when Louis told the guns, well I can get us in the playoffs, but we'd be much smarter to basically go the other way because Mike Madano's going to be special. He knew exactly what he was saying. Yeah. And the why you know and Koivu is a steady, rock solid type of player. But there's nobody there I'm telling you right now because I wouldn't retire Parisi's number. I wouldn't retire Suter's number. There's nobody. This is not an anti-Koivu rant. There is nobody with this franchise that I've seen play right now that, and and they might be Ring of Honor guys. Hell, I might do what the Twins did and create a Hall of Fame. Yeah, I'd put those guys in a wild Hall of Fame. I don't give a bleep. But when you're saying the highest honor possible, where we look up in the rafters of the X, and every night that number is there by that godforsaken number one that they did for the fans. They didn't have to do it. Take it down. I don't like it. But anyway, um, I can't give you. I can't give you the only guy that would have come close if he had been here and thrived for a long time is Gabrick. Yeah, and yeah. he didn't. I, we could do a whole. I think score North Minnesota rewind on this career. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, yeah, he, he's he's meant a lot. I think he gets retired. It, it, it's just a hard sell for me to uh, to put him put number nine up there right away at least too. Okay, it, it was your baby this week, so I'm going <laughs> to give you the honor. Yeah, the Judd's Hockey Show hat trick of questions. You throw them at me. My dump and chase questions here. All right, percent chance uh, Kevin Fiala crosses fifty points. This <laughs> shocking percent chance Kevin Fiala crosses fifty points this season. Currently on pace for forty nine. I really like how he's been playing of late. If, if I was super sure that they were not going to get upset when, when he made a bad play occasionally and bench him, because as recently as what, the Nashville game, they did exactly that, which, again, I did not 
understand. But I'm going to give him a decent chance here because, you know, he's played on he's played top six now for quite a while on the line with Koivu and Parisi, and he's played well. I'm going to give him, um, I'm going to say 40% chance. 40% chance. 40% chance. And I and just to be clear, I really like the way he's trending. The mistakes don't bug me. I really like the way, and and we need to give credit where credit's due here. Paul Fenton traded away Grandland. Yeah. Who is, a, for all the people that said, oh, I love Grandland. I had a Grandland jersey. You're so great. Okay, think about it. How often was he truly great? And Kevin Fiala is a better National Hockey League player than Granlund. And I don't even know it's particularly close right yeah, now. Yeah, right now it's not close. Pat- now, now, as far as God-given skill, Granlund. Different discussion. Yeah, eight days a week. Granlund. Uh, what do you think? Fiala, career-high 48 points when he had that 23-goal season when he was a 21-year-old three years ago. Um, I would say about a, I would put up like fifty five percent chance. Okay. I'm gonna go a little bit above that he should. Uh, I think he's tre- his game's trending in the right direction. He's his lines playing very well. Shooting percentage sustainable. A little bit of power play time. I think he can totally get to fifty points. Fair enough. So that's where that's that, that's where we're going. With the so we're both question. optimistic. Yeah, we are. Uh, second question: Are you concerned at all with Matt Dumba? Just three goals, zero. On the power play Ugh. and nine points, twenty-seven games. I guess give me maybe uh, a one to ten. Ten being the most concerned, one being not concerned at all. Are you concerned at all with Matt Dumba? I'm going to give you a a three, and here's why. I'm not. Okay. That, I'm not that concerned. Now the power play goals. I by the way, I want more power play time for him as well. I want him to shoot more. Well, for I want him to start every power play. Yep. I, I don't never need to see number twenty out there at the start of a power play for the rest of my natural days. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm Earth, with you. Okay. I'm with you. Um. I do think that if he was out there a lot on the power play, he would score a goal or two. Um, but I'm only going to say a three, and, and here's why. He had a serious injury that ended his season last year. It what He had complications, I believe, that took some time for him to get back. It was not an easy path. He's been dinged up again, I think, at least once this season. Yep. I don't think he's entirely back yet. I think timing is not back yet. Um, if this was a healthy Dumba scuffling, I'd be worried or concerned. I think something's going to click here probably around January, February, where if he gets back to at least being healthier and the injury gets as he gets farther and farther away from that. So I'm not incredibly concerned because I think there are factors impacting him. I would say a five. Um, I, I don't want to teeter into territory of being concerned just yet because the pectoral injury, I mean, that is a significant injury. The guy's got a shot. I'm sure that it's affecting him. Just look at where it is. Um, but, you know, he's playing 23 minutes a night. He's out there on the power play. He's out there a ton. And if his game is all about the shot and, and creating offense as being an offensive defenseman, if he's not scoring goals, well, that means the defensive miscues are starting to outweigh the offensive possession that he's able to bring. So I would say a five. And maybe the injury has a lot to do with that being a five. But... I, I hope something gets snapped out of here quick because I maybe, look and maybe and I'm gonna write about this for ScoreNorth.com this week too. Maybe this was last year's insane blip where he had 12 goals in 32 games. Maybe that maybe got a little teased by that. Maybe that's just not who he is. Maybe he's not William Carlson, Brent Burns, but he's next. You know, he, he's not elite tier, but he's next. I'm with you. I'm not convinced he can't be too. Yeah, yeah, sure. And the other thing, to, well, I do think that it would be, and they've tried this before, and I think I think he complains about it, so they, they go away from it. I would like to see them force Suter to play with Matt and for them to tell Ryan, you are the safety valve. Yeah. 
At every turn, you're the safety valve. I don't care. You know, He's playing with Brodeen lately too. Yeah, right. No, he he does. But but Ryan wants to play with Spurgeon. Yes. And what I would tell Ryan is, you're going to play with Matt, and you and you are. I don't need you pinching in. I don't need you trying. You know, Ryan loves the move where, where he comes down from the left point and comes down the wing there and tries to get the puck in front or take a shot. I'd be like, what all I want you to do is make Matt look good, and I need you to put yourself second sure. or third or fourth. I dig it. Uh, but I want to – This again, this is a year where, especially once he's back to being comfortable, where I want Dumba to be able to experiment some too because, okay, he gets burned. I don't care this right. year. I care if you're good. But I don't care this year. Uh, really quick, is the Brad Hunt honeymoon over? Just you one go goal in his past 18 games. Yes, the Brad Hunt honeymoon is over. I don't. I didn't see him on the power play at all on Sunday. You Not a great sign. You were complaining. I was complaining. You're like, where's Brad Hunt? He's a third-pairing defenseman, and if he's not going to play a power play, then I then scratch him. I don't want. The, if he's not playing the power play, he provides no use. Scratch him. You should. I shouldn't. I'm not going to say they should have pounced and traded on him two weeks into the season because that just would have been silly. But if he goes on another streak here where he's scoring power play goals, you're, get this guy speaking out. Speaking my language, Jack. Unrestricted free agent. You're speaking my language. Unrestricted free agent. Get him out. You don't build around a 31 year old defenseman. He's a one trick pony. Get him out. Kaprasov, the honeymoon is over. Kaprasov update. Uh, yeah, it's really quick. Bill Guerin is also visiting with him right now, shaking hands. You know, maybe hanging out with Putin. I don't know. I just like to make a lot of Putin jokes on this show. I don't know why I do. I don't that. know if they're funny or not. I, mean, I don't I've know if they're funny. Either. I'll have to ask feedback. The luxury, on that. the luxury box for hey, Putin. How about in our comment section on on Twitter or wherever on our, on our podcast feed? Let me know if I'm bringing up too much Putin on this show. Uh, in the last three weeks, uh, three games, one goal, an assist, shooting the puck at will. Uh, he's Kirill Kaprizov, man. He's. Uh, on are this. you thinking he's? Are you thinking he's a superstar or a star? A star. Okay. I can't call him a superstar just because I, I haven't seen him play. I agree. Uh, but in this season, 30 games played, 16 goals, 14 assists, 30 points, 13 even strength, 3 in the power play, 4 game-winning goals. I also kind of like that. Uh, yeah, this is, the, this is the closest thing to Gabrick they'll have. And lastly, the draft pick lottery update. Oh, yes. Now, now I, feel like uh, it's, I feel like it's losing its luster because the team bit. is playing so well. But give me your draft pick of the week. Uh, it is Dylan Holloway. This is a local. Well, he's from Canada, but he plays college hockey at Wisconsin. Well, you don't call he, him local. He he's is, a I know. I'm sorry. He uh, Midwest. He, he is right now the 10th best prospect according to Tankathon, which is where the Wild would be picking if the NHL uh, draft lottery odds were today, and that's where the Wild would go. Uh, he... In 15 games in Wisconsin this year, and the Badgers were, of course, just at Mariucci a couple weekends ago. Uh, three goals, four assists, seven points. He is six foot, 193 pounds, 19, uh, almost 19 years of age. Uh, yeah, he, he can play center or wing or forward. And by the way, I don't think we're concerned, but Matthew Boldy, the number one pick from the Wild last year, I think he's been snake bitten. Just one goal and bought in, in at BC, I believe it's BC or How's BU. the kid from Wisconsin doing? Cole Caulfield. Uh, yeah, the he guy just that tied went... Danny Heatley for most goals before the break. Great, I'm glad they passed on him. Yep. Oh, because he's too small. Yeah, too small. I'm Judd. He's Declan. Judd's hockey show. We'll talk to you. Fast shoot score.